Welcome to Living Untitled, a new podcast featuring conversations about the limitless optimism and possibilities in our untitled world. I'm your host, Justin Boone. A few years ago, I started an agency that I named Untitled Future. The name came from my belief that we can't predict the future. It's only through what we do and say today that we can create a better outcome for tomorrow. Over time, that word untitled has taken on a new meaning for me. Put simply, it means work in progress. The things around us that are undefined, people just like you and me who don't fall into any specific category. I've come to live a life untitled. As an explorer, a designer, strategist, entrepreneur, a mixture of so many other things, informed by aspects of my life that I'm not even conscious of all the time. So how do we live in a world that is untitled? How do we create an untitled future? Well, being untitled, living untitled, embracing that our future is untitled is just about being human. Accepting that we're all just human, and that's enough. That's more than enough of a reason to make the world a better place for all of us. Creating an untitled future requires optimism, hope for today, and hope for a better tomorrow. It requires insatiable curiosity, my absolute favorite superpower. Driven by the truth that answers only lead to more questions. And I hope this podcast inspires you to embrace at least a part of this way of thinking and living in the world. Now I'm incredibly excited for our very first guest on the show. Ingelo Walrus Ritter, an architect, educator, and president of architecture for Communities Los Angeles. Ingelo uses her purposeful voice, not to mention her humor and candor, to get people thinking about how architecture has the power to uplift our communities and bring them closer together. So what is it that makes your community alive, you know? And it's family gatherings, and it's sitting on your porch or sitting in the front, you know, yard and rooting for the Dodgers. And it's things that architects don't typically talk about. And then you're like, okay, now my expertise is to now try to create the spaces where that can happen. She believes that architects can develop meaningful and change-making voices that address issues of equity, homelessness, economic inequality, immigration, climate change, and every other seemingly intractable social challenge through the accumulation of small acts and choices architects make. This means the materials used, the people hired, which projects to focus on and where the needs are the greatest should be part of every architect's vision. Ingelo sees architects as a service with the power to improve life for everyone, making architects' duty to foster community growth at the core of every project. Her words inspired me a lot, and I hope they'll inspire you as well. All right, now before we dive in, be sure to stick with us after the conversation for a resource or two intended to help you dig deeper into some of the themes that Ingelo and I explored together. Enjoy the conversation. Uh, well, thank so, you so much for oh, doing pleasure. this. This is going to be so much fun. I hope, yeah. Oh my goodness, it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, totally painless. And I'll try not to swear too much. Oh, okay. You know, we'll put like a parental advisory label. No. <laughs> exactly. Ingalil, right? Ingalil. Ingalil. Uh -huh. Where Where does that name come from? Uh, I'm so so my, um, it's Finnish from Finland. Ah. But we're a tiny minority. We're Swedish speaking Finns. Yeah. So I grew up, it's Finn. Swedish is my first language. Oh, really? Okay. Um, actually, I take that back. It was my second language because my mother's Hungarian and I used to have dark curly hair. Ah. Um, so yeah, that was the Hungarian part, but my father's from Finland. And so I'm a dual citizen, Finland wow. and America. And I have to say, um, 
Only recently have I realized how much I I went to school in Finland until around 14 mm. and how much of that imprinted itself on me. Yeah. And um, I recently made some major life changes. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you know about Finland, but education is, yes. higher education is free. They have yes. an incredible education yes. system. They have incredible equality. Yes. They have one of the um, lowest difference, you know, sort of egalitarianism yeah. um, between high earners and low earners in yes. the world. They have no corruption. Yes. Women are in power, although they just voted the, the one I really liked out. Somebody. I know, I was going to say some of that's <laughs> in flux currently. But. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really amazing things about Finland that I feel like, you know, these are these are my values. Yes. And I know I want to put them into practice and not just talk about it, but walk yes. the walk. So Well, and I love that. And I'd actually love to dive into that a little bit because I think it's absolutely related to a lot of the work that you do now. I think there's yeah. so much that, you know, I certainly look to the Nordic countries for a lot of inspiration yeah. for our topic How around like thinking about life. community and yes, yes, and living life yes. in a much more sustainable, much more, yes. you know, nature, uh, it, nature and <laughs> gratitude yes. and sort of true sort of values that I yeah. identify with a lot. I actually yeah. spent some time last year in Denmark kind Lucky of you. talking yeah. to a lot of different people around yeah. many of those topics that you just right. mentioned, their right. education system, yes. their healthcare yeah. system. Healthcare. I mean, yes. all the things that make quality of life, you Absolutely. know, really improve the quality of life. Yeah. And there's a word in Swedish called lagom, mm -hmm. which means enough. Mm. So there's, you know, this real appreciation for, you know, just having enough, you know, yes. to make a good life. And yes. and so you don't, you're not, you know, constantly hoarding or bigger cars, bigger homes, yes. you know, it's really about, um, you know, kind of. The, the the what you need to survive, but also thrive. Yes. Um, and and it recognizes that there should be an equality, that yes. everybody should have some of that. I love that you landed on the word not just survive, but thrive. To thrive, yeah. Because that's that's the question that you know I focused on a lot yeah. of the work when I was in Denmark, but also what we focus on is that question around community. It's like right. how do we actually build? Yes sustainable communities for everyone to thrive yeah. at the end of the day and truly yeah. everyone exactly. and exactly. it seems so simple on paper when we look right. at the question but it's the hardest yeah. thing in the world yeah. especially in a country like America not to yeah. I, I hate to play you know the, the doomsayer all the time because I don't think it's ever productive to come from that place right, right. but I think a, a healthy level of scrutiny yeah. is incredibly important yeah. you know no, when I you think agree about with constructive you. Yeah. scrutiny yes and but not also not to dwell on the negative, but also to look for solutions and try to be part of the solution. Exactly. There's an amazing level of trust, you know. So yes. there was just an article yes. like if you misplace your wallet, you will get it back. Yes. And so I think that's it. although that has happened to me in New York City. I left it in a cab and I got it back. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> totally intact. Yes. And it you know it's little moments like that. You're like oh yeah you know. People are good. Well, New York is kind of a microcosm in that way. Yeah. I lived in New York for 10 years. What I found in that experience of living in New York is there's sort of this shared sense of pride yes. Yes. from that Absolutely. community. And sure, maybe you're not always going to acknowledge everyone all day, every day, because you're living on top of each other. And sometimes you don't want to acknowledge everyone. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't get me wrong, I didn't yeah. either. But you're never going to let the negative things that are happening to someone else go unrecognized because there is this collective sense of, hey, we are all in this exactly. together as exactly. a city. 
I think it's proven to be quite a resilient city in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. And we've unfortunately seen some yeah. devastation, some tragedy right. that that right. city has had to work through in yeah. the past several decades that are signs of how that resiliency has allowed the city to right. not just come to the other side of that, but thrive as a result of that as well. Yeah. I always think of New York as sort of a huge ship. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we're all in it together. Yes. And we're all sort of, you know, rowing in the same direction. Yes. And Finland has a similar sensibility to it, especially yeah. now with that long border with Russia and having gained independence in 1917. I don't mean to harp on Finland, but I'm no. very proud of no, you know, you my, my you heritage. No, you should be incredibly proud. And also, you know, I talk to my students about this a lot also, yeah. you know, about the yeah. values. And, you know, I, this is a totally unformed uh, thought. Hmm. But, you know, one thing I don't like about Finland is its um, homogeneity. And I'm glad you mentioned it because yes. I did want to kind of go there, yes. especially from my experience in Denmark. And having taught, you know, one of the things I love about teaching is encountering people from different cultures yes. and different ex life experiences yes. and wanting to try to um, valorize that, have a yes. you know, sense of pride, where you come from. Yes. Um, but you also have to recognize that people then have different social expectations and so you know cultural mm -hmm. you know ways of thinking that are really different and yes. how, and that's the beauty and the pain of a city like Los Angeles mm -hmm. that is so much a part of these little villages that each one has has its own identity mm -hmm. like it or not um, and how do you you know get the same sense of we're all in this together when you have such a you know uh, atomized environment mm -hmm. Um, and so, yes, Scandinavia doesn't, you know, Sweden, I think there's a little bit, you can see some of the angst, you know, yes. in the country that has opened its doors far more welcoming Germany, you know. Mm -hmm. So countries that are, um, and the United States, at least how it used to be, this idea mm -hmm. that everyone is welcome here. But then you also have to figure out how to, you know, Holland tried this, you know, they had a lot of people yes. from the Middle East and then tried to impose on the new immigrants, you know, this is our culture and this is what's okay here. And yeah. sometimes you can be sympathetic to that, but then there's other times that, you know, you're really not uh, celebrating the good things about these yes. cultures and trying to figure out a way that you find common ground and, mm -hmm. and then you can work together on solutions rather than shaming or pointing out certain things that don't align with your uh, worldview. But now we're getting into complicated. No, but I, I, it's, it's, but I think it's an interesting <laughs> topic. And actually, if I, if I may just kind of ask a question on that point, because, you know, we, we talk so much about values mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we've kind of circled that a little bit in this conversation so far. Yeah. And, even your organization, to tie right. it back to your organization, it's like you are so focused as an organization, like the ACLA's mission talks about, or your value statement talks about, like inspiring people to value architecture. architecture. Yeah. And so there's a sense of like value attachment there right. certainly as well. Right. Do values change to reflect an evolving community? Are values something that are ingrained and... I don't want to use the word stagnant because that sounds ne uh, mm -hmm. negative, but mm -hmm. like very solid, therefore set in stone that we then impose mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on others or bring into that. Like, what do you think about what is this concept of value, mm -hmm. both from a 
maybe again, tying it to your work, mm -hmm. like as an organization, when we think about valuing architecture, but I think it has a direct attachment to like how we think about our own values as a community right. as well. Right. So Architecture for Communities Los Angeles, a mm -hmm. brand new organization that was launched by the LA chapter AIA, mm -hmm. which is one of the largest chapters of architecture in, mm -hmm. in the United yeah, we States. Yeah, we had Leslie Sindor on our, awesome. on our show. So, yes. yes. So, um, so and I believe that every AIA chapter should have a community outreach element to yeah. it or arm to it. So I'm really excited that we are one of the first, if not the first. New York has a very large educational program mm -hmm. that's part of their mm -hmm. New York chapter, AIA. But Los Angeles, I think, uniquely combines education and community outreach yeah. as part of our mission. Yeah. And one of the initiatives that we're doing, and it's one, one of the, first of all, we have an amazing board and just mining the you know, everybody on the board shares an understanding of architecture as service. Yes. In other words, it's not promoting their unique self-identity, yes. you know, their own singular voice, but recognizing that architecture has the power to improve life for everyone, yes. not just the, the, the minority or the small, Absolutely. you know, the less than 1% who have means. Yes. So there is that shared understanding. And what's wonderful about our board is that they all have different um, knowledge and like you know experiences, professional fo focuses, um, and some of our board members are very active in city in sort of policy city yeah. making. Yeah. And so to back into your your answering your question, one of our initiatives, Los Angeles is made up of ninety nine neighborhood councils. Oh wow. I didn't know that Most was the number. I, exactly. And I love that 99. So I keep, I'm always singing 99 bottles of the show. <laughs> 99 neighborhood councils in, you know, in the city. And so I, you know, and it was established in 1999. I was just oh, doing a little bit of go. history, which I thought was awesome. So anyway, so, so think about Los Angeles and the idea that every neighborhood council now represents yeah. a part of our city. Yeah. And of course, we are now moving into West Adams, yes. brand new neighborhood for us. And yes. so, so part of our initiative is really reaching out to the yes. neighborhood councils in that community Interesting. and trying to listen. Ah. And it is so hard for architects to listen. <laughs> oh my God, so true. <laughs> So true. Even I have a hard time. Here I am, you know, <laughs> taking over the sound waves. But so that is our number one purpose. We listen and listen loudly. Ah. Right? So what does that mean then well, to you? Like what yes. does listening so that loudly means, mean? You know, I think that we, and, and there, you know, and I, I know I'm going to be wading into, you know, controversial areas here. But I think architects like to think of themselves as leaders, right? Yes. We're design thinkers. We yes. can solve problems. And we can. Yeah. No question. You know, yeah. we're synthetic thinkers. Yes. And I like the idea of thinking of architecture as an ability to synthesize complex ideas mm. and weave it into a tapestry that has integrity. Yes. And, you know, there's a vision and, you know, here's this vision for the neighborhood and this is what it could be. And we speculate and, oh my gosh, it's so awesome being an architect. <laughs> but then you go into a community, and especially if you're not from that community, well, who are you to say what's best for that community? And yes. so I think that listening means, I, you know, I think it's listening and then empowering. Mm. So, you know, and this is what you do as a teacher. You have yeah. 
incredible humility. You walk into a classroom. These are these students. You try to give them some, you know, life skills, workforce skills, you (laughs) know, make them, you know, have value in the marketplace that they can get a job. Um, But then you want to empower them Mm -hmm. and teach them the skills to allow them now to take their ownership yes. and and action, yes. actionability in their own lives, careers, and the jobs that they're going to have. And I think it's the same concept with communities. Yes. What is it that you value? What is important to you? Yes. We just, I just invited an architect named uh, Damar Matthews. I don't know if you know oh, him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'd be an amazing speaker. He's so <laughs> humble. But his thesis, he was a student of mine at Woodbury, was what is black architecture? Ah, Asking this question. And this is three years ago that he graduated. And so wow. I brought him into my class, which is 99.9% Latino students. Yeah. And here he was saying, you know, black architecture is different. And, you know, he's doing work now, of course, in Watts and and, yes. and Compton, where he yes. lives, in South Los Angeles. And so I think that, you know, and, and I was absorbing and listening to yes. him. And, you know, who am I to, I just want to hear what he has to say and yeah. understand what is it that he values and what is it that's important to him. And he talked about this wall of fruit trees and how the neighbor came ah. over and started taking the, you know, fruit um, and actually was didn't want to intrude on the property. Yeah. And then he invited them in, go oh, take all the pomegranates, lemons, whatever you want. Yeah. And then two hours later came back with this big bowl of pozole, you know? And so, oh, right? And yes. so he's like, here we had this exchange. And you're always yes. hoping for that kind of exchange yes. that, you know, you go into the classroom and you're like, here's my knowledge. Here's my expertise. I've been an architect for 30 plus years. Yes. And here's what I can teach you. But then you open your ears and you're like, well, what? And then we had, after Damar spoke, the next week I met with my students and I'm like, okay, Ah. I want you to share your life experiences with me. Mm. And it takes some time because they're also very humble and there's a humility to them. You know, they're like... You know, I don't, and you want them to own it and and take pride in it, and yes. then and then be able to put it, bring it back. So, what yeah. is it that makes your community alive? You know, and it's family gatherings, and it's sitting on your porch or sitting in the front, you know, yard and yes. rooting for the Dodgers, or you know, so all those wonderful <laughs> yeah. answers that they had, you know, yeah. church and and it's things that architects don't typically talk about. It's true. That's and, so true. And then you're like, okay, now my expertise is to now try to create the spaces where that can happen. Yes. And so we started talking about the city of Los Angeles and yes. how, you know, the public space in Los Angeles, of course, the, the old trope is that it's the backyard and it's the, you know, barbecue spaces. True. Um, yes. One of the reasons I love uh, Grand Park so much, it's one of now our, our spaces in the yes. city that we can protest yes. and we have events there and the 4th of July and every march, you know, the Women's March, all those marches. Yeah. And now we can end up in this beautiful space in the heart of the city, right across, right between Music Center and City Hall. Yes. So the conversation with the students, and you know, I think it gets back to this idea of listening. And by opening your ears and then empowering them to first identify what are those things that are important to them, yes. but then figure out how to take those things and translate them into the language of architecture. Mm. And so that that's what we do both in the classroom and in the community. Yeah. What we want to do is empower people to understand the mechanics. Yes. You know, city planning and land use and, you know, how are decisions made and yes. how can you now participate in that in order to 
make your community unique to your group of people. Yes. It's not just the people with the money who yes. sh- because they speak loudly in America. Money speaks totally way totally. too loudly. Yeah. Um, but that's what's exciting about you know, hopefully being in the classroom and in the community saying, here's some tools that you can yeah. use. And then they become the, the politicians. They become the leaders. You know, it's not yes. about the architects being the leaders. It's that we're granting or helping, under, you know, people understand these are your tools. Yes. And you're the only one who can understand what you value yes. and what's important to your community. Well, so. I love that you touched on that point about it's you, you're a teacher, right? So obviously, as you said, you're teaching your students and you're teaching your students to be architects, but there's this all of this part of this role that you've talked about that's so incredibly valuable that they're bringing that expertise into. Yeah. And then you also, also mentioned the point about speaking and educating the community. Yeah. I'm so curious, how do you take this world of architecture that maybe in some ways there's like this mysticism around it for a lot of folks in and a community. That is absolutely um, huge. Yeah, so I yeah, think we and bring it to them. Too. Bring yeah. it to them. Yeah. How, how do yeah. you make it, it, it resonate with yeah. them? Yeah. So you know, I think that um, you know, as I said, we're a new organization, so yeah. we're, we are asking those exact same questions, yeah. right? So, and I can tell you some of the initiatives that we've already started. So. You know, first of all, let me just say that I think education is the most transformative power on earth. And Mm, could not agree more. And, you know, and and it's a power that once you have gained, nobody can take that from you. Yeah. And so this is something that, you know, teaching is my dharma, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whether it's in the classroom or in the community. Yeah. Yeah. But I think as an architect, the thing that I always start with is what do we do? Because most people don't encounter architects in their daily life. Yeah. You know, like it or not, that's true. And so, Many, most of my students have never even met an architect, right? Yes. A licensed architect before they begin to imagine themselves as architects. So mm. I do think we need to demystify absolutely what we do. Yeah. And, you know, I think architects do a very good job of of communicating, you know, Disney concert halls. <laughs> True. Yes. You know, if you're going to ask people in the city, name an architect, Frank Gehry is going to come to mind. Uh, we all know true. that as the capital A architecture. This yes. is the high architecture. You know, here is a transformative building that changed the city. There's yes. no question. Yes. It is fantastic. Well, look you know. at what's happening in that corridor now. Exactly. Yes, the music sen- I mean, it's yeah. like, it just transformed the city in the best yes. possible way. You know, Absolutely. Dudamel and, you know, and, and everything that came yes. after. And Esapeka Salonen, of course. Yes. Um, so, but but then there's the small A architecture. So if you look at our mission, we're really the small A architecture. Uh, and it, and yes. it's, you know, I think, I, I think, again, it's this humility. Everybody has a little bit of architecture in them. Hmm. Everybody does. Hmm. We think about how do we make our spaces comfortable how yes. do we you know we are naturally gravitate to light yes. and we understand health yes. and and we don't always have access to those things yes. and we intuit our environments exactly in a way that both consciously and unconsciously yeah. and yeah. We're, we are eventually aware of that right. so yeah and i, I think that. what's really exciting now in the discourse is that there is a recognition that it's not and yes i think you know 
Robert Ventura and Denise Scott Brown tried this many years ago with learning from Las Vegas, you yes. know, the sort of, yes. you know, trying to find a way that architecture could begin to access the larger public. Yes. Um, and then they were, you know, revi- you know, the whole postmodern movement was, sure. then, you know, sort of that is the, you know, ugly stepchild. We don't want <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> that as part of our oeuvre. And yet there's a refound appreciation yes. for that. Yes. And with the murder of George Floyd, there is this mm-hmm. renaissance now of black voices just talking about this is our space and this yes. is our 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 architecture and this is our literature and music, you know, and just taking yes. pride in that. And and to me, that is the most exciting thing that architecture is having to reconsider yes. the sort of top-down, you know, and, and yes, we've been talking about this for decades and yet we're still practicing. Many people are still yeah. practicing that way. There are so many different people that yeah. are part of a community yes. Yes. that are coming from so many right. different backgrounds right. that like, even when you talk about a little A architecture, like yeah. how we understand yes. that and maybe can talk about it. Yeah. Like a lot of other people don't even have that yeah. language yet to right. talk about it, but it's it's intuitive language exactly. for them in some exactly. way, shape or form. So how yeah. are you bringing, and so, what are you doing to connect so the a few of the So a few of our in- initiatives. So we have basically three goals. One is... Out, outreach to K-12. And mm-hmm. that's, in essence, we want every K-12 student, tall order, <laughs> <laughs> to have an experience in their K-12 educational pathway that, you know, that, that where they encounter architecture, engineering, or construction, yes. part of the AEC industry. Yes. So, and, and yes, it's a tall order. And yet I would say LAUSD, for example, all the schools are very enthousi- enthusiastic partners in this. They yeah. they see this as value That's and they great. understand it. And, yeah. you know, the architect citizen, the empowered student who begins to understand the tool sets that I was I talking that. about I earlier. I love that. I love that term. Yes. That's a great term. Yes. So that's one initiative. And so we just launched a K-12 committee and it's led by a woman who is an architect who works for the LAUSD. And great. Perfect. Julia Hawkinson. So. And then we have number two is recognizing those already in the pipeline. They yes. are, you know, the higher education students, um, and they are the ones who are now transitioning from higher education as emerging architects, and they need a different type of support, very yeah. often financial. Yeah. So the K-12 initiative, we just launched our Design by Diversity Day. Ah. We had this massive block party. Uh, last year, it was at LA Trade Tech. Uh-huh. Uh, that was last year was the first one where we honored Paul Williams, uh, Revere Williams, an amazing uh, architect here in the city, black mm. architect. This year, we honored Norma Merrick Sklarik. Yes. If you know her. She, yes. for example, the Pacific Design Center or Absolutely. the tower at the LAX. We held it at SciArc this year, so it's going to be at a different institution. There were 700 people who showed up. It is the only architecture event I've ever seen that had not just professionals, not just educators, not just, uh, you know, higher education students, but K-12 students, too, and their parents. So can you—I mean, what an amazing community. So it was free, open to everyone. We had so many firms. Every table had an activity. So the students loved it. You didn't see any—you didn't see any students— Kids, you know, like, mom, when can we, you know, go? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. You know, they were all engaged and, you know, little 3D pens and printers and drawing. Yeah. It was awesome. So that was our K 12, our two by eight. We are now celebrating 20 years of hosting, and this started an AIA event, um, a scholarship program where yes. we've uh, given over a quarter million scholarships to students who are oh, in. Wow either in architecture programs, either community college or our university programs. 
um, and we're hosting our 20th year this year. Uh, so that's one of our initiatives. And then we have our community outreach, and we have this awesome mm-hmm. committee. Um, and one of the things they do, now I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> so so last year they in, launched a farmer's market initiative where oh. they wanted to then um, uh, connect architects to begin to um, – you know what they call tent events. Yes. Uh, 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 set up a tent. You know, I'm your local architect. Yeah. Let me answer your question. So that that was one one oh, I love initiative. That. And it's so, so it's smart. like you know, let me introduce yourself. But but also, what are your what are the biggest concerns you have? And yes. in the neighborhoods that we were in, you know, of course, accessory dwelling units, of course, homelessness. You know, yes. or the unhoused, sorry, yes. the unsheltered. Um, population, you know, the, the, what are the pressing drought was a big issue. Yes. You know, landscaping. What can Absolutely. we do? So, yeah. and and really um, trying to explain, you know, and and how do you work with the city to yeah. change land use? How do you know? I don't like this development going on. What do I do? Yes. And so, you know, there we were being able to helping to answer the question yeah. about what architecture can do for you. Yeah. Well, and that's a great example too of what you were talking about earlier of listening loudly. Yes. Yes. That that truly feels right. like listening loudly yeah. in a lot of ways. Because, because every you're... community has a different set of, you know, issues. That totally. They're, they're and you're going with. to them. Yeah. yeah. Like where they're going to be anyway right. for something like that. So that's one of the initiatives. The other community initiative is this 99 <laughs> community councils on the wall <laughs> where we want to place an architect in every single community council. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, and, you know, we already have a few, Pooja Baga, we have, you know, John Arnold, there's people already who are involved in our, uh, yeah. both AIA and ACLA, who are yeah. already serving on their community and uh, on their neighborhood councils. Um, but, you know, we just sent out a letter to people because a lot of people, even architects don't, aren't aware of these organizations, you know, they are yeah. partly yeah. elected entirely volunteer organizations if you live in that community you are welcome at any neighborhood council yeah. to participate in talking yeah. about land use about you know about parks and recreation yeah. and so when we went to the West Adams neighborhood council yeah. we introduced ourselves we're a new you know we we are a resource what can we do for you a couple of things they said you know we want enrichment programs after school enrichment yeah. programs for our kids so we're like okay Let's let's start one. So you know that's yeah. one of the charges for our K twelve yeah. committee. Um, so so those are a couple of ways that we are already initiating this. Yeah. We participated in Ciclavia. We had a tent there. You yeah. know, a lot of meet yeah. and greet. Just you know, here we are. We are a resource for you. I we want to find out from you. We had a mapping exercise where people are identifying on the maps places that are important to them, places that they oh, need. That. So that's another activity that that we yeah. are uh, have have the uh, the CEC, the Community Engagement Committee. Yeah. Has initiated. So it's a little, you know, it, it's a little messy right now. I am not afraid of mess. I'm a maximalist. So it's, <laughs> I would rather have a little bit of a, you know, too many choices, that, yeah. you know, than something. So, so there's a couple of ideas, but, you know, at the end of every year, the ACLA board gets together what worked. Yep. Where do we put, you know, so right now we're doing a fundraising campaign where yeah. we're reaching out to foundations. And what's really interesting is trying to match projects with foundations. And yes. the other thing is partnerships. There are a lot of people out there doing or yes. in the space, you know, whether yes. it's an education or community outreach. But like America, <laughs> which is 
50 states <laughs> that don't always get along. You know, it's it's trying to provide, you know, we want to be the 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 first stop for people. It's like, oh, I want to find about architecture uh, out about architecture in Los Angeles. I want to find out about architecture education in Los Angeles, and then we can send them to other organizations yes. that might be in their neighborhood. Yes. So that's my dream. So that you know, our West Adams physical location, and and when I you know I launched a, a gallery at, in Hollywood, the Woodbury University Hollywood yeah. Gallery. Yeah. Um, and for 10 years, I basically invited other nonprofits to just like, come, use us. Because many of them, most of them don't even have a physical space. Yes. So we yes. see our space is going to be that kind of, you know, National Organization of Minority Architecture, come and hold your events here. Oh, I love You know, that. West Adams Community, come and host. We're going to host, you know, education events, mural yeah. paint, you know, things like that. So there's the, the wanting to be the physical location, the mm. first stop, but also that the website can be Oh, okay. Here's the architecture and advocacy. This awesome new organization yes. in West Adams. It's yes. associated with USC. There's a group. There's a group that you should talk to. Also, <laughs> I love them so much. Um, you know, SoCal Noma. They're doing these amazing yeah. boot camps yeah. you know, that they've been doing for many years, and it's grown into this three, four hundred students. You know, right here in uh, East yeah. Los Angeles College, where the students, you know, K, mostly middle school students, learn about architecture. So there's groups out there doing this, yeah. and yet. Like so many things, they're atomized. So if we can mm-hmm. act as a sort of, you know, partnership dating service, <laughs> here's some, you know, resources. Here's an amazing project where we don't have to ourselves implement the project. Yes. We can help to kind of oversee, coordinate. Hey, here's a need in this community. Maybe this our group of architects yeah. or this organization. So I mentioned the D by D, and this is, and then I'll stop talking for a second. Let <laughs> you no, ask my great. next this question. This is great. But you know, here you had eighty plus booths of architects, and yeah. each one had an activity. So we're like, what if we deployed these? into the city? What if we matched them with middle schools? And you'd, yeah. you would then have like three or four architects that would go to a middle school and set up and, you know, do an enrichment program right there, yes. just like lunchtime. And there you'd have kids who would be like, oh, that's cool. You know, yes. I want to learn more about this. And so that would then begin to answer some of these questions about uh, having the every student and their parents yes. begin to understand what on earth do architects do? Yes. And let me just finally say that, you know, where I think students really become super excited about architecture is when you talk about collaboration. Mm. And again, that's something that, you know, I think when most people think about the architect, you know, there's the Howard Rourke. I think we've moved beyond that trope (laughs) of the, you know, the architect, the singular voice. Yes. and yet, those are still the architects most of us know best. So, you know, the Pritzker Prize really, you know, in a way yeah. is trying to reinvent itself and yeah. trying to recognize architects as part of a larger community. But students get super excited when they're like, oh, this is a collaborative profession yes. where you have to work with big teams. You have to get along and you have to figure out how to work with them productively in order to get yes. begin to solve some of those problems. And it's actually incredibly smart because when I think a lot about uh, organizations that are so focused on impact, especially mm-hmm. impact dedicated to like a specific community in a lot of ways, they tend to get insularly minded in yeah. terms of thinking about like, well, how are we doing something? Yeah. How are we always like having an impact on our community? But what you're talking about is 
looking outwardly instead to say, hey, we have an expertise. We are a resource. We can connect other organizations, build these strategic partnerships, provide the know-how so that essentially at the end of the day, you're doing all of the work. And then that allows you to have this massive yeah. impact yeah. at the end yeah. of the day. Yeah, so you're amplifying each other, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you're, we are now, I mean, AIA is, like it or not, a big, powerful organization. Sure. People know who AIA yeah. is. And so having that resource, so, you know, it's awesome to see our new space, the AIALA, ACLA. Yes. You know, equal sort of billing, you know, yes. that it's, yes, yes, we, the AIA represents and, and provides resources for architects in the city. Um, it's an amazing chapter full of incredible visionary people. Yeah. But then there's the ACLA, this nascent little organization saying, hey, the community has equal power and might and, yes. and, uh, and um, you know, so activism and, um, you know, advocacy. And, yes. you know, those are that's really what we do as ACLA, that we want to yes. give the vo- people the voice. It's not that we want... And, you know, I, I think this might be a quote that uh, that's out there. Um, it's not that we want students uh, with diverse backgrounds to become architects. Mm-hmm. It's that we understand that their lived experience is mm. going to be the thing that that, that innovates, yes. that helps us as a profession to remain relevant. Yes. It's, you know, it's, it's like this, you know, we can help you become an architect, but hey, you have to help us as we listen to you and understand what yes. is important to you yes. because your lived experience is so different from mine or from, you know, yes. the most architects. And it's the same as, you know, community empowerment. Yes. That, you know, it's not just that we wait in, oh, we have all the answers, you know, because we're leaders. It's that, hey, we're listening now yes. and we can help you become the next leader. I really like that word placemaking. You know, because placemaking mm, talks about. So you know, when you talk about good design, ah, getting thank to you. One I of wanted your to questions. get to that one. Yes, <laughs> I think placemaking is a really good place to start because you start to think about cities that work. Yes, and you think about, and you know, we talked already about New York City. What yeah. are the reasons it works? It's a healthy city, and it's healthy yeah. because people are walking, because people are connecting yes. on the street, because yes. you know, everything that they need is very close by. Yes. There's not, a lot of social infrastructure yes. that still exists in that yes. city, and we don't see that as much in cities unfortunately like not to criticize LA too much but like that's a place where there that investment is coming back slowly yeah, yeah. you mentioned Grand Park right, earlier right. and we're seeing other examples of that but there's a lot of social yeah. infrastructure deficiency yeah. here no I know I know and you drive around the city you know I'm now working in East Los Angeles and uh, you know and you on one hand you see first of all it's uh, the most beautiful murals <laughs> and my students come yes, in with them yeah and we talk about the Chicano movement of the 60s yes. and you know empowerment and I'm trying to you know like it's time, you know. <laughs> we need another movement, and yes. um, you know, and yet they are so many of them just trying to get by. You know, mm. I don't know if you read, read the article in the LA Times yesterday. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit off topic no, here, please. but you know that there was a couple students who got into UC, you know, San Diego and UCLA. Mm-hmm. They were given significant scholarships, and yet they still couldn't afford to go there. Yes, yes. It's like the three thousand dollars 
Mm-hmm. They could, you know, they couldn't make it work. Yes. My hope is that that article will a lot, you know, somebody oh, yes. will start. Absolutely. And if I were, you know, that journalist, I would. That's like, what my intention would be. But, but it broke my heart. And yeah. you know, I have students in my class who do not have cars, who do not have smartphones, yes. who don't have internet service at home, yes. who have seven siblings that they need to. They're they're the, the caretaker for. Yes. How do we get them into the profession? Mm. And so I also serve as the chair of the National Council of Architecture Registration Board. As the I'm the chair of wow. the Education Committee. Very cool. And so. California is one of the 17 states in the United States that recognizes the experience-only pathway. In other words, hmm. and remember, I'm an educator, so yeah. in a way this breaks my heart to say this, Yeah. but it recognizes that there may be some candidates out there who couldn't afford even a university degree mm-hmm. and have a, uh, an accredited degree, but they started working, mm-hmm. and they were fortunate enough mm-hmm. to find a firm. And after five, six years, they had the requisite knowledge then to get licensed. Yeah. And California and New York are two of the 17 states in the United States that recognize that pathway. Yeah. Now, it's like some of these students who are like, the, you know, I had students yesterday. We were talking about, which school do you want to go to? Cal Poly Pomona, UCLA, mm-hmm. USC, Woodbury. And, you know, and then there were those who said, I can't afford it. Yes. And I'm like, Wait, you are so talented. You are so, I mean, when I you hear you talk about architecture, yes. how do we get you into the profession? Yes. So this, it's not just architecture, of course, but I think architecture is amplified because the cost of higher education relative to the yes. earn, earnings, yes. you know, when you're, you know, just newly out of school is just such a, it's it just, impossible. It, it, it doesn't equate. It yeah, doesn't compute. at all. And so, so you know, trying to working with this national organization and trying to valor or recognize and maybe even celebrate some of those alternative mm. pathways mm-hmm. that up until now have been like, no, 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 you have to get a degree. It's like, but wait, there are, you know, as we saw in this article yesterday, yeah, they're saying something. You know, the numbers of lower income students whose families yes. are below the poverty line is yes. declining yes precipitously we're losing yes. knowledge and life experience and yes. backgrounds that are so desperately needed yes. in order to address some of these issues of the cities i hear the the sort of education debate like we could especially higher education debate we could sit there and like play with that all day long and i'm actually glad yeah. that a lot of companies, regardless of industry, are recognizing that we don't always have to hire the candidate with a Stanford degree. Exactly. There's someone else who's probably just as qualified to step into this role who may actually want it more. And so, like, let's lean into that investment. I love that we're having that conversation now. And that's, in fact, something that our higher education, the, the, the number two goal is really to, is there possible for us to launch an internship program where Mm. students from community colleges could be paired with firms? And when I brought that to the AIA board, oh my gosh, it was by far the most enthusiastic of all of our issues where people were like, yes, can you just bring them to us? You don't need to have, you know, the degree from USC because that's where the principal is alma mater or whatever is from. But, you know, I I think that more and more firms, of course, are understanding the value of having people with these different backgrounds. And what's awesome about community colleges is that you're also getting workforce skills 
that sometimes Absolutely. are antithetical mm-hmm. to a liberal arts education. Mm-hmm. I mean, I taught for 20 plus years in yeah. you know, the Cornell and Yale and Woodbury for 17 years and SciArc and, and the, the Bartlett in England. Oh my gosh, these are some of the most amazing schools. I met the most brilliant human beings on the planet at those institutions. Yeah, yeah. And yet there were there were times that I felt, you know, certainly as a dean, I felt a deep obligation that when a student leaves my school or leaves this school, they need to be able to hit the ground running. Yes. You know, with yes. workforce skills, and yes. so there, there, you know, there's sometimes resistance to. Well, we're not a, you know, we're not a technical vocational school. Um, and one of the things I love about community college, where I think the work is in amplifying the design vision, mm. and really, but but balancing it with here's the skill set, you know, to be a professional, yes. and not and embracing that. And yeah, saying, it's more yeah, than just is, the trade, exactly. And that yes, and trying to marry those two. Yes. but I also think there's something interesting that I want to tap into about maybe even uh, a preconceived notion that a lot of people have about architecture in a way, and especially if we think about architecture supporting our communities in the world today, like architecture is a permanent Mm. thing Mm. in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. how does an architect, a a building, a, a sort of part of architecture kind of last changes, shifts, become transformative in a way that it can adapt to be resilient back to that word we were using earlier for evolving, changing communities. I think we've even given some great examples today in this conversation about some community movements, social movements, the pandemic, the past few years that like we've needed our architecture to serve very different functions right. and maybe what it was originally designed for in the first place. Yeah. How do you approach you're, that? You're touching on something that I think is so uh, provocative and interesting in architecture. There is there is a movement um, that, you know, people are like, well, we don't need any new buildings. Mm. We already have enough buildings. Yes. We need the knowledge to repurpose buildings. Yes. And yes. so there's this awesome article, I don't know if you saw in the New York Times, that talks about, you know, how the floor plate of an office building, it's not yes. an easy thing to do to convert an office yeah, building. Yeah, what a great example of commercial into, real estate. Yes, yeah. and I, we were just taking our students to through downtown la, last uh, weekend, and you'd look up into these buildings and you could tell they were empty. Yeah, totally. And then the students are like, well, why, why, not, why aren't there... You you know, why aren't these shelters or, you yes. know, and so we ta- started talking about the design of the spaces. Of course, they don't have the plumbing yeah. and, you know, they don't have the light. It's really yeah. light, you know, yeah. that you need a different kind of amount of light in order for the living spaces. It's not easy if you have these very large floor plates with the open office space. Yes. Now you're dividing them into private, you know, units. Yeah. This idea that um, architecture is is repurposing and, yes. you know, and that there is enough building stock. Now, yes. now can we convert it in creative, imaginative ways? Yes. Um, and of course, Los Angeles has these, you know, industrial neighborhoods. I was mm-hmm. in El Paso last week because the students of El Paso Community College invited me and, oh, my gosh, you, you know, I'm looking out of my hotel window, looking on this, you know, kind of blighted landscape. I'm like, oh, this looks like LA. <laughs> Large swaths of Los Angeles, you know, in the San yes. Fernando Valley where I went to school. And, you know, you see these industrial areas and then you think, but I have seen 
you know, Argentina or Colombia, you know, that there's yes. places that have taken, yes, you know, have. existing building stock and made something beautiful yes. out Columbia of that. Yes, Colombia is such a great example and of so, that. Yes. Yeah, and so, you know, I think that if we turn, talk about creativity, it's like, boy, there's a project <laughs> for yes. you, which is one of the reasons I love LA so much because <laughs> there's so many great projects. This is the, you know, the, the city that will never... <laughs> <laughs> be completed in any way. But, you know, imagine, and of course, that is so closely associated with neighborhoods without resources, the underrepresented, yep. you know, and also environmental justice. There's mm -hmm. those people without resources who are usually the ones in the neighborhoods, you know, with the cancer clusters. Yeah. And you can, you know, directly see the impact of environments that are toxic, literally, mm. and crime and health. Mm -hmm. And now think about, wow, you your superpower is placemaking is yes. design is good design to create beautiful spaces yes. for communities and it can start with something that's really simple you know literally painting on the on the sidewalk and then thinking about how do you with very few resources begin to transform yeah. that neighborhood storefronts you know yes. the small stores and you begin to work with them and design you know maybe outdoor spaces for them or even just the graphics for a storefront and you begin to block by block i think that the idea of um adaptive reuse i think is the yes. future um, and there's a really amazing um woman uh i forget her first name iturbe who talks about carbon form and how our ah, cities yeah. are defined by you know the automobile by you yes. know by those non-renewable resources that yes. have caused so much harm to civilization. How do we rethink cities? And I think transit-oriented development is, you know, scratching the surface of that, or the five-minute city is beginning to maybe yes. respond, to the, yeah. respond to that. But how do you reconfigure, I mean, this is a massive undertaking, but cities, you know, where the street isn't the privilege, you know, the primary, yeah. you know, we talk about the parking lots all over Los Angeles or yeah. the per the impervious paving and yes. the albedo and temperature rising because of the materials we use and the colors. But those are places you can start to be, begin yes. to mitigate those negative effects. Yeah. And again, architecture with a lowercase a, yeah. where you're making decisions, green roofs and um, and but how do you get rid of the carbon form and yes. every city in the in the world? Yes. <laughs> you know whether it's in you know Lagos or Shanghai, you know yeah. is is following the the carbon. <laughs> well, and I think maybe the interesting examples that you Usage. look at that like at least studies we haven't seen probably like a, a a physical example yet in the world, but you look at these sort of studies of people imagining what the future city, uh, yeah. future of a city could look like right. in you know in the Middle East yes for example yes. really interesting the studies means. there well <laughs> By exactly using the, the uh, earnings from there <laughs> sure sure we don't we don't necessarily <laughs> love how they have the means but they have the means yeah to do this work and but they're also creating these mega cities yeah. and the same is happening when you look at China obviously yeah. when you look at other places right. in the world these mega cities right. and you think and you think well well they're doing it well, who, who's doing that in the united states well <laughs> and, and and i so i that's one question but then also the other question becomes for me in a way that it's like as you're thinking about 
translating good design is you're thinking about involving the community and all this work yeah. that you're doing. And I love that like you are a resource hub in, yeah. a, in a city like LA yeah. that is obviously undergoing a major transformation will continue to for the next several years leading up to the Olympics and, right. and then I beyond, know, obviously, exciting. as well. But like other cities, these crazy mega cities in the world, these cities of the future that I think some of that messaging, unfortunately, is... You know, it's a little romantic and yeah. not grounded in any practical sort of considerations for those communities. Like, yeah. how how did uh, what what lessons, what advice do you have for them? What how do we how do we do it right? I wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm listen, I'm re-listening to City of Quartz right now. Mike yes. Davis is ah. amazing tome. Yeah. Um, partly because I'm you know in East LA and I I remembered. Oh my gosh, he t I remember he t him talking a lot about East Los Angeles. Mm. So here's the conundrum that on one hand, you know people like you know Moses, you know that you need mm -hmm. this. And you mentioned China and, you know, these yeah. autocratic nations that have the ability for some top-down leadership that then yes. implement. And Scandinavia is another example That's where a great people example. trust yeah. the government. Yes. And so, you know, Norway now has, you know, their electric cars up the wazoo. Totally. And, which is ironic given that it's an oil nation, you yes. know, that has amazing reserves. Yes. So, so, you know, on one hand, you, you need those visionary leaders. Yeah. But... On the you know, but that's contrasted against this idea that every community has its own very specific needs that may not lock in. You know, we know that when those big decisions are being implemented, that there's yeah. too many people left out of the equation. Yes. So you know, I think this is what the United Nations is grappling with. You know, mm -hmm. that you have, and and they're looking at poverty and women's rights and children's rights, and yes. it's like these are the people who don't have the voice. Yes. In implementing these massive visions. So yes. is it impossible to imagine? And I don't think it is. Is you know, and, and this is why I'm saying that I think innovation has to come from listening to those mm -hmm. voices so that when you do implement a vision, that it doesn't, it, that doesn't, you know, leave out, it's not just the developers, you know, that, mm -hmm. that are then raking in money because they've now you know, maximize their profits by, you know, whatever, some 80-story building on their little lot in the middle of some neighborhood that they totally ignored the, the yeah. community and what the community needs. How do you then and, – and this is when <laughs> big government becomes – Useful when yes. you have, you know, compassionate leaders that then recognize and understand that those voices have to be at the table. And, you know, and, and we keep going back to Scandinavia, of course, because there's certain successes that they've had. But it again, it, it gets back to, but it's easier there because you have a society that is all kind of already in agreement mm. about what's important, you know, nature. And, you know, Finland is forests and lakes yes. and oh my gosh you have never seen a cleaner country in the universe yes. and it's so beautiful and everybody agrees that that is important yes. and so we are going to cut emissions so we are going to reduce you know uh environmental uh injustices you know every, people get a living wage and yes. you know we have free health care and we have but you now have a society that's in complete agreement mm. that this is important and we don't necessarily have that here. Yeah. What we do have is communities where, you know, and, and, you know, can we think, and again, this is a totally un, untutored answer, but, you know, on one hand, you have the large, and, you know, I, I'm 
proud of the, you know, California and, and mm-hmm. some of the, you know, we live in an amazing state. And, Absolutely. You know, and it's, uh, and um, I, th- I feel like there are values that we share, you know, yeah. in the state. Um, you know, Los Angeles is a complex. You start to go down into, some, you know, the smaller community and you see most of those values reflected, but then you begin to understand and see differences. You know, and it gets back to this idea of the tapestry, that Mm. a tapestry is multiple ideas that are woven together into something that has integrity. Is there some way that you can have a larger vision that still recognizes? And I feel like Los Angeles is the perfect ground for that, Mm. you know, given that every community has its own identity, has its own cultural sort of you know, uniqueness. Yeah. Um, how can we implement larger uh, policies? Mayor Bass, you have a big uh, yeah. <laughs> challenge ahead of you. <laughs> totally. and I don't have the answer to that, although I do wish she had some architects by her side. But I do too. And I'm very miffed about, and I'm blanking on the, the cabinet and, role. Forgive yeah. me. But yes, the, Christopher Hawthorne, thank who, was you. The, who was the uh, chief design officer yes. in Eric Garcetti's. Yeah. Yes. And, and there were some of my students were working for him for, yes. uh, in the Mayor, Mayor Garcetti's office. And I would love to see some of that continuing. And me I know too. The I'm a little is, disappointed is working right now. on that. Yeah. Good. So, Good. Um, but yeah, I mean, but to me, that's that's the perfect design challenge is to, yes. you know, is there a way yes. that you can still acknowledge and recognize, you know, these unique circumstances, but still, you know, we all need clean air. Mm. We all need, you know, and so, okay, mm. well, and, I mean, the metro is a perfect example, yes. right? Here yes. you have this effort, which I took great pride in. I, you know, I lived in New York for 10 years yes. and I left LA and then I lived in London, I lived in Vienna, London, and then I came back to LA and suddenly I'm like, oh my God, there's a metro here. I love it. I love it. And then you get onto the metro and you're like, uh-oh, there's yeah. a problem here. So yeah. we built the network yes, and then we don't support it and we don't provide resources to keep it safe. It's like yes. what, blasting, you know, classical music or berry yeah. metal or whatever it is that they're doing. Yeah. Is that the answer? No, I think it's yeah. community, you know, well, yes. uh, security, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, actually, I think, you know, let's start with healthcare, <laughs> mental health care, gun True. control, you know, and those, well, are, yeah, those have... are big steps that they have ramifications in the physical fabric of our city. You have this right sort of amalgam of these coming together. And so I like that word tapestry that you used. And it's like we we can't lose sight of just because we're looking at one particular issue, in this case, maybe thinking about architecture that supports their community, but we can't lose sight of how those social issues, economic issues, education issues, environmental injustices Mm -hmm. that you mentioned Mm -hmm. are all wrapped up in this tapestry with us as part of that community. And so it is a holistic way of thinking. And so it brings me back to kind of where you started in a lot of ways that like architects, a a bit of comfort for me when I hear you talk about what an architect does Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. synthesize these complex problems. Because if anyone's going to (laughs) help to address some of this, how we bring all these together and actually provide... Yeah. solutions that support more positive outcomes. Yeah. It's it's going to so, be up architects. Yes, because like it or not, 
for right now, architects are like, okay, mostly downtown and yes. Santa Monica. And yeah. then, you know, you have your handful along Ventura Boulevard and, San, you know, San, yeah. well, it's like, well, where's the architects in Pacoima? Where's the architects yes. in Silmar? Where's the architects in Boyle Heights? You know, yes. And, and yes, they are there. Um, and, but they're, you know, heads down working, you know, and, yeah. and, and how do we now begin to um, empower? And this is when the community empowerment becomes so important because we're not, we can't be on the ground everywhere, you know? Yeah. And so how do we then begin to, you know, infect, <laughs> bad word, <laughs> inspire, there we go. empower, <laughs> you can take away that infect because that's COVID, um, <laughs> did a really good job on us. But how do you then begin to activate all of these voices in order to all be, you know, recognizing these are the tools, these are, just as you said earlier, this is the vocabulary that yes. the code uses, you know, that policy uses, you know, yes. how many SBs, you know, these... Uh, uh, you know, ordinances that are being passed on a daily basis. Well, let's make sure it's not just the developers. Let's make sure it's not just the yes. people with means who are, you know, stumping, passing yeah. these, you know, ordinances and 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 laws. Um, let's make sure that those that those voices are part of every corner of our city. Yeah. And you know, that's a tall order, but you know, Huge, I feel like but... we're we're. We're going to try. Well, and I love that you are. And thank you for doing so. And thank, thank you also you. for being with us here well, today. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I so know. excited to see what, you know, yeah, ACLA continues to do in the I know. future. I know. And it's, you know, you hand to pass on the baton to the next and, you know, you hope yeah. to have done some good. And ultimately, you know, it's funny. It's funny. You know, I feel like I'm being very selfish because it's, you know, I stepped down as a dean and it's like, okay, what are the things that brought me pleasure? And I say no so often. But ACLA was one of those, literally the next day after the announcement went out that I stepped down, Carlo Cacavala, the executive yeah. director, called me up. He's like, I have a project for you. Well, of course, that's ACLA. what happens because you step down. And so like immediately someone's going to snatch it's you like up. It's like that vacuum. Suddenly it's like, oh, I don't have that time anymore. And then I, I went to teach, to teach at East Los Angeles College, which is like, oh, my gosh, it's just I, wow. I can't even tell you the joy in my life is just Aww. every day I get to do the things that I love doing. And, yeah. you know, so ACLA, working with NCARB, which is this hilarious organization that you're like, oh, my God, they were kind of. So out of step, but now seeing if we can bring them back into the bring in, into step with us. But thank you so much for listening. Oh no, thank you. This was and, so uh, much fun. Oh, good, and again, good. I, I You're love an these amazing. conversations because I can just go on. <laughs> so, what does it mean to see architecture as an opportunity to weave the tapestry of a neighborhood, creating the kind of community that ensures a sense of belonging for everyone? Well, among other things, it means approaching every project with open ears to what a community needs, wants, dreams about, and believes is best for them, not simply what an architect thinks they need. It means being deeply rooted in optimism, the values of a community, and making space to build community together. It means having trust and spreading the feeling of trust, faith in people's goodness, and optimism for the future to every corner of the community. But it also means knowing when we have enough, living a logum lifestyle, as Ingolo shared with us, being content and satisfied instead of chasing more so we can really learn to appreciate the things that matter, our connections, our curiosity for learning and exploring, and our communities. 
This has the potential to free up a lot of time and mental bandwidth to examine our values and how we can contribute more to our environments, which brings more passion, more energy, and more optimism for the future of our communities. All right, so now as promised at the start of the show, I wanted to share a couple of resources to help you dig deeper into some of the themes discussed in the conversation. When I was preparing questions for our conversation, there were two articles I found really helpful as part of my research. The first article was a series in the New York Times Magazine published last fall called Remaking the River That Remade LA. It's a great look back at why the LA River was created in the first place, but also what we can learn from studying the positive and negative effects of this type of public architecture and how it has forever reshaped the city and the region. The second article was from The Atlantic called Monuments to the Unthinkable presenting an idea around how America can learn from the way Germany has successfully used architecture as a way to heal a torn nation. Both are incredible reads that I highly recommend. Find me on LinkedIn and share your thoughts and comment on these articles and also the conversation with Ingelo. This episode was produced by the Untitled Future team. For more information about Untitled Future, please visit us at untitledfuture.com or by following us on LinkedIn. And for more episodes, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thanks for listening. And remember, life's better when you belong.